Bootstrapped Web. We are back. We had a couple of weeks off, some some travel, some. Uh, I, I got my my big snow tiny comps out of the way. I'm I'm back at it at home and uh, enjoying some a lot of snow over here in the Northeast right now. Jordan, how you doing, buddy? I'm I'm pretty good. I have been hearing a lot about the snow. I've been very very casually wintering here in Chicago. It's been nice and easy. Mm-hmm. Brian, I think we should tell people that this isn't a real podcast. This is actually just a sentence prompt in OpenAI's new yeah. tool. And we may or may not be real. That's right. right. Everything that you hear and see right now was generated from that one prompt. That's that's correct. I think I think we sound done. pretty accurate. Yeah, we're almost I done. <laughs> <laughs> it's yep. how much longer do we actually have to work as opposed to just writing a prompt of could you just do this work for me today and then yeah, uh, e- kind of even call. that really we just need to like sit in a chair and like think thoughts and then they just become reality. Oof, I like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can set up an AI to do the thinking for us of those thoughts and then uh-huh. the other AIs could do the work and we yep. could be, you know, out in the world walking around. No, it was pretty in, cool. In our see. vision pros, of course. It was it was cool to see AI kind of you know, freaking out again this week with, with that. (laughs) And my favorite part of the week was Mr. Zuckerberg just sitting on a couch, tearing a new (laughs) one (laughs) into Apple. And most importantly, being completely right. You know, he made some good points and, and I just love the, the raw video recording, which I I guess he, he had someone else use the, the, the quest headset to record it. Right. It's, it's barely edited at all. And, um, you know, it's just so interesting. By the way, I, I went into an Apple store and I tried on the, the Vision Pro just okay. to get their, okay. their little, their little demo. I, I didn't intend to buy it or anything. and They, yeah. they thought I was going to buy it. But I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not buying this. I just want to check it out. Yeah, um, true. Uh, which is also interesting just to experience their, their sales process, which, frankly, I, I wasn't all that impressed with as, <laughs> as a sales process. But They um, are used to being in such a powerful position in that sales process that they, they give off a very dismissive air. They literally say, welcome, we know you want to pay us $1,000, take a number and wait, which is a very odd yeah, thing. Yeah, it was very, it was, the whole thing was very odd. I, mean, I feel like we could talk about that, but just, <laughs> all right, let, let's come back to that. But the, okay. the, the Zuckerberg thing... Um, uh, I love it because it's, yeah, it's just so, for, as a spectator <laughs> of, of business and tech, it's just yeah. so cool to see the CEO, the, the original founder of a, what are they, like a trillion dollar trillion. company, like yeah. um, just taking shots at, <laughs> at, at the direct competitor, you know, and just be like, yo, we're better. Like what? Right. But then, <laughs> then going like feature for feature. Like when yeah. I watched it, like making a case. Yep. Yes. The, when I watched it, like the, the growing realization inside me of my guy knows f- the features of his product better than I know the features of my product. <laughs> yep. And it was like, yeah, oh, it just shows you how, uh, yep. how, how like embedded in the process he is, how passionate he is about product. Um, yeah. Still got the fire. Still got I mean, it. I'm not a big fan or user of, Facebook itself anymore. Um, I barely even touch threads anymore. Uh, I've got a lot of complaints about Facebook's ads uh, product. Sure. Um, it obviously makes them a ton of money, but um, uh, but yeah, like it's it is really cool to just see. Um, 
And and yeah, I don't really see any other CEO like doing that. And you can't see you wouldn't expect like Tim Cook to to do like a response video about no, or anything Cook, like Tim that. Cook you know? is right. He's a politician at this point, and yeah. everything's very careful and very calculated. It's yep. it's Zuck and Elon. That's the show. That's the most yeah. entertaining thing in business. I think it really. And again, this is one of those takes that I'm that I'm lifting from from John Gruber and Ben Thompson. I okay, I, okay. I I really love their their podcast and their writing on on stuff like this. But they make the great point that the original founder is is a different animal than the CEO who is not the original founder of any company. And especially at that high level, you know, like that, there, there's just a, they, they approach things differently. They are, maybe it's a, a more, a, a higher willingness to take huge risks and huge swings, um, whether it's product wise or PR wise or whatever it might be like uh, a, a Zuckerberg or an Elon Musk just thinks about and, and approaches their role much differently than a Tim Cook or a, you know, Satya Nadella or, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, cause they started it. Like they, they remember when they were in the bedroom or in the garage and it's different for, for a C, for a non-founder CEO, yeah. you know? Yeah. It, it might also be like a DNA thing and just personality because, um, they don't need to do anything. They don't need to do anything ever again, period. Yeah. And yet they're, they're doing it because they want to, yes, yes, they, that's right. And, and it's a certain like level they, of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. It, involved in that where, yeah, the, the, com the competition, like they want to win, yes, they, they want to create, they want to, yes, you know, the honest yeah. manifestation of who they are and what they want to do. There's no pressure behind it. They yeah. don't care about the salary. None of it matters other than the fact that I, I can do whatever I want. And this is actually what I want to do. Yeah. It's fun to watch. Uh, let's, let's talk about the Apple store for a second. Okay. Um, I, so I was curious. So actually I went into an Apple store twice since the, uh, since the VR, since the vision pro came out, right? The okay. first time I just happened to be in an area where there was an Apple store and I walked in, I was like, Oh, that might be cool to sure. try it on. I walk in and mind you, like it was not crowded in this, in this Apple store at the time. It was in the middle of a Saturday afternoon. This was in New Haven, Connecticut near, near Yale and stuff. And like, um, it was not crowded. Like there was, there were a couple of vision pros like sitting there on the, on the table. Okay. And I was like, I told the guy, I was like, can I try one on? Can I try it out? And he was like, let me, uh, let me slot you in for, for a personalized demo. I was like, uh, all right. I was like, can I, can I do it like now? Like in the next 10 minutes? And he was like, well, our, our next available one is 90 minutes from now. And then that, that sit down session is going to take about a half an hour. And I was like, well, I'm leaving. <laughs> I, I got other things to do today, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so Which is in, in SAS world. Yeah. Right. Unheard of. Like, what are you well, doing? <laughs> well, no, hold on. They, they're forcing you into a demo. L literally. Forcing of course. You into a demo. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I, I was, I, I literally saw Apple store employees standing around doing yeah, nothing. Yeah. Like you could give me the demo now. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know why you're making yeah. me wait an hour. Um, so uh, about a week later, I'm in a, a different Apple store and, um, and same thing happened. Like I knew going in, like they're gonna force me into the into the demo. But we happened to be at this mall, and I was like, I know we're gonna eat lunch, so let me just get on the list, and then I can I can come back here in an hour just to try it out. Um, so I did that, and I'm there with my nine year old daughter. She's interested in all this stuff too, and I was like, can she try it on, like just to see what it's like? She's like, nope, 
can't she can't put her in it because she she was like she needs her own sit down demo experience because we oh, personalize she... it to and i was like well all right forget that very structured um, wow very structured and and you know like I, I tried to make it clear up front, like, hey, like, I'm a tech guy. I, I kind of know all this stuff. Like, you don't have to explain it to me like I'm five. Um, and there was still, like, a lot of that. And, yeah, and, like, just the whole, like, the, I was pretty impressed with the demo, like, like just seeing some of the content and some, and some of the demo things that they're showing me, especially sports, I got to say, is the most exciting thing. Um, but, um, yeah, it... it Overall, I, I felt like I was I was led down this like path that like didn't really make me want to buy it anymore. Then um, there there wasn't anything new that like I hadn't seen online on YouTube mm -hmm. or anything like super compelling. And and I actually started to see your needs or what might be most useful for you. Like, yeah, yeah. there there wasn't a lot of that. Um, and frankly, I was more like noticing like all the drawbacks, <laughs> that, like um, or noticing all the shortfalls of a version one. Like, um, I, I heard a lot of reviewers talk about the weight of the thing, and I definitely noticed right. noticed that. I, I could see how wearing this for an hour or longer could. Yeah, could, it's got that big cord. It could weigh down. Yeah, um, and then the other thing that was immediately noticeable was like it is not totally um immersive you like i could very clearly see the edges around the goggles mm -hmm. and even i don't know if it wasn't fit to my face properly or something but like i saw like the outside world like out out oh. the sides of it um and huh. i was like that's i don't know that, that's not great mm -hmm. <laughs> um sports was the thing that was like wow yeah, can like you, can you get into that is it just a giant screen in front of you is uh, what what does it um no, the movies in general are, are are cool because it's like that's a giant screen. So I could see how cool that would be to watch a movie on it. Sports and, and here the thing with sports is that it's just not going to be available for most sports for like probably many years to come. There's additional content that goes along. Content and they got to have cameras in the stadiums to to achieve a lot of this stuff and like and like content deals between Apple and NBA or MLB right, get or them NFL. On the front. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, on. so, but they they showed a, a quick like ten second video clip of there was one of soccer where the camera is basically placed at the top of the goal, and you're seeing it from the from behind the goalie, okay. and you're seeing these shots like and you're like in it. You are it's it's as cool. if you are as close to to the standing there next to the goalie as possible. Which is I'm not even a big soccer player and that or soccer fan and that that was pretty cool. The other one was baseball. You're seeing like a Red Sox game, and it and it's it's it looks like they have some sort of camera in the dugout. Like you're sitting, like you're like you're in the dugout, and you see you're watching a play mm -hmm. happen. Um, like like you are on the field, um, and that and and I I didn't see like a basketball thing, but like I I would be super interested to see what it would be like to like watch an NBA game like as if you're sitting courtside in this thing. Um, mm -hmm. That seems pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know how it ends up, you know, as, as a win or not. Right, Apple had a few of these product lines that just turned into, just you know, the iPhone business itself is just like one of the biggest businesses in the world. It's one yeah. product line. That's I don't, point. I don't know if this does that. I heard an argument recently from our boy Zuck that glasses are the right like form, mm -hmm. lightweight glasses. He likened that to your phone. Everyone relies on their phone. 
Yeah. We know it's not perfect to have this thing in your pocket that you hold up and you bend over and you look down on. Like that's yeah. not ideal. If you can have a effectively a heads up display for your yeah, phone like, device. Like AR glasses in, in your glasses. Right. Yeah. Make your phone calls, do your things like, you know, look at the weather, Twitter, like whatever you're going to do. And then he talked about the headset as like a laptop. Yeah. So your phone is what you walk around with and it's lightweight and so on. Then on your laptop, you kind of get work done and you do more stuff. I mean, I think that that's there that you don't want to do on your phone. I think that's sort of how Apple is is looking at the Vision Pro, and it's interesting that their that their first version has the word Pro in it, um, and they mm. and they keep talking about this idea of spatial computing, like like you should think about this like a computer, um, you know, and it's yeah, not it's like a walk around the world with this thing on. It's more like sit at home with the battery pack in your pocket and do your work in it or watch a movie, you know. I, I still think we're I, I thought that I would probably buy like version three, and now I'm starting to think like I'm, I'm probably waiting until version five or seven. Yeah, or we're just like kind of like, see when it clicks. It, it makes sense. It, I I could see we're we're further off than it seems. Yeah. From this being, I, I also see time. you know as a parent now I see my kid with the phone and I see it as a necessary evil. It's not all bad. Uh, there are a lot of benefits. Uh, there's some pitfalls. You got to talk through them. You know, it's one of these things where like you can't pretend the world doesn't exist. You have to teach your kid the right way. Yep. Um, but I have negative interest in seeing her put a headset on. Right. Like no thanks. Yeah. Like it's already yeah. enough when she walks into the car and goes right on her phone. I'm like, hi, can we talk? I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen you all. Day. I already see that with, with their iPads. My kids have iPads and it's like, okay. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, what, you know, we're not super hard, maybe as hard as we should be with the screen time with them, but like they, they spend a lot of time on, on that with their heads down and, uh, yeah, yeah. Makes you aware of it. Yep. Um, all right, dude, you want to talk some biz? Let's, Let's talk do some it. Biz. Man. Let's all right. Do it. I had, a, I had a big, week. uh, it was a stressful, man, I don't know if it's stressful is the right word. It was, it was a lot of pressure on getting things done the right way. So this week I had a board meeting and as we've talked about in the past, that focuses the mind and it forces us to articulate what's happening and why and all these other things. So what made this board meeting different is this is when I came to the board and effectively showed and laid out our thinking and logic and argument for this pivot that we're in the middle of. And so that's always helpful to just be forced to articulate, right? I'm, I'm calling it the board. There's one outsider, <laughs> right? Our lead investor, and then it's myself and Rock and Jess. Mm -hmm. But it still has this sense of formality and uh, importance that yeah. it does. So what if I t text with Hyun, you know, all the time, the, the investor from Arch Capital? This takes that informal, ongoing conversation and it puts a marker. Once a quarter, we're gonna get a little serious. Yeah. And there's some legal, like some some records that are being laid, laid when you do this this meeting too. Yes, which is, uh, you know, it's not top of mind, but it's there. Mm -hmm. So this is official, and yeah. this is judged in the future, and 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 so on. That's so interesting because we we were chatting about this off air before, but I, I guess so in this context. The meeting is like you and this investor and then Rock and Jess, like you, Rock and Jess are already moving along in this direction. It's like they they know the deal at this point. Rock and Jess board. and I yeah. are, right, we're in it day to day. So our, you know, what, what happens, think about any company, um, 
it's just this constant evolution, these circles around new thinking, new strategies, learning, mistakes. You, know, you just kind of keep going in this like circular like evolution from one thing to the next. And these board meetings are like a snapshot in time. Like given the last three months of evolution and thinking and, and hypotheses being proven or not, where are you now? Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of what it does. It doesn't stop that cycle. It just forces you to take a time out and say, here's our current understanding of where we are, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. This one was a bit more like dramatic of, of that uh, version of that because our conclusion is that, hey, we want, we want to go in a different direction. And so that does require some data. You know, yeah, I was, that was going to be my next question is like, I know you've been experimenting with the new direction with mm-hmm. uh, kind of selling this as like uh, marketing tools that you can that you can uh, apply to your checkout process rather than trying to overhaul the, the entire checkout flow. So what kind of experiments, what kind of data is convincing you that like we're going this direction? The most important thing is is customer demand. That is by far the most important thing. There's other things, but by far the most important thing is when we have gone back into our uh, lost pile in our CRM of prospects that we went through the sales process and they ended up not buying. When we went back to them and said, hey, we're doing this thing now, the percentage of those merchants that say, yes, that sounds interesting, we want to talk, is very, very high. And we, we knew that along the way because the merchants, they were, sent, they were telling us, we want your marketing features. We think that will work. This new checkout sounds great. And then between that initial interest and the decision to not sign a contract, that is, that's the set of pitfalls and dangers that we are uh, effectively naming as insurmountable at this stage. Given mm-hmm. our resources and the timing and the goals and the runway, all these other things combined, that feels like we should stop trying to make that work and we should make this other thing work. And here's the evidence that is telling us that it's, that it makes sense, that that's a logical, smart thing for us to do. Yeah. So you're seeing like more demos booked, more like sales conversations. That's right. That's right. And so... You know what we've what we've named it it happened to coincide with the beginning of the year right q1 and what q1 forces you to do the other piece of formality and requirement for the board is a budget with projections Mm. so what's the next year going to look like what are your projections and show us the budget so that you know we're all approving a plan on how to spend money over the next year Mm -hmm. and so looking at that is extremely helpful we've we've talked about this multiple times. You look at an Excel sheet and it talks to you. It, it tells you things. Mm-hmm. And so doing that, going through that exercise, the budget and projection exercise ahead of the board meeting was even more convincing. So it yeah, made more it, sense. it changes the math on the runway and... Just the approach and, and the revenue model and the pricing <clears throat> model and the go-to-market and then it starts to bleed into, well, how do you pay salespeople and how many salespeople do you need and all, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was this week. And then as soon as that went out, uh, I took all that work and put it into an investor update and let the entire investor group know. 
right? Because that's, I don't even know, it's like 30 people or so. Um, so now it feels like a, a burden off. It's not, we're not, we're not doing this on our own and we're not sure. We're not, look, you know, like yeah. some uncertainty. Like everybody knows the plan. Yes, it's, it's, it it's official. We're, we're going. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so it's, like it. you know, then, then you start, to, you, it, obviously you, you build up like this fear around people's reactions. But when I wrote the investor update, I was in a good mood and I was in a confident mood because the board meeting went well and we convinced ourselves internally that this is the right move. Like we, we didn't just like think it, we like went through the work to show it. And then that felt great. And so when I wrote the investor update, I was writing it from a position of strength. And I think it, it comes out in the language of the update and in the framing. And so what I got back was very, very positive feedback. Shout out to Rob Walling, always a good friend and a good supporter. He kind of wrote out a full like, hey, this is a hell of an investor update, all makes sense. We're behind you, definitely not easy, but blah, blah, blah. So now I'm kind of riding high. It's Friday, at the end of the week. We went out, we made it all public. We kind of articulated the reasoning, the responses. Hell yeah, go, go, go get them. Let, let's see what you can do. Love it. Now, now it feels like a, you know, the fresh opportunity kind of begins. Yeah, that's great, man. I'm, I'm excited. Um, where are you at on the, on the, so like there's like product and then there's like marketing pipeline. Like what, what parts are like with this new direction, what parts are like up and running? What parts are partially running? What parts are not built and shipped yet? Like what's, what are your like top priorities to get things, get the new direction going? So there. There, there's a there's a split. Uh, sales and marketing, not surprisingly, is ahead of product mm -hmm. because sales and marketing requires changing documents and changing emails and changing words. Much easier than get features into a sprint, get them QA, yeah. get them deployed, and so on. So sales and marketing is ahead of product, and product is not far behind. And what that really means is we are. I I, I guess we're we're from a product and engineering point of view, we're approaching it as a beta. First few customers are under a beta. It's not perfect. When you walk into the product and you sign up, there's still a screen that says checkout where you can like adjust, you know, like your checkout logos and all this yeah. other stuff. So and from a product standpoint, you're not building again from the ground up. You're more adapting your existing code base. Uh, yes. So if you think about our checkout, our checkout had these marketing features inside of the checkout. So our mm -hmm. admin is like, home, right, for analytics. And then there's checkout for all your checkout options. And then it's order bumps. And then it's funnels, which are the post-purchase offers. And so those two parts of the admin stay the same. Yeah, It's the same building process and functionality and like a little building wizard or whatever you want to call it. That remains exactly the same. It's just that it goes on your checkout instead of ours. So eventually what we need to do, just like, <laughs> I know it's uh, more complicated, but effectively comment out. I was just going to say, like, you, you can just hide that link. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, can you just like hide, you know, these tags right here? It's more complicated than that, but that's effectively what we're doing. Mm -hmm. the, the, the place where I am most interested, and I spent an hour and a half today in a long conversation, is pricing. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is going to make or break, might be a bit uh, hyperbolic, uh, but will have a huge, huge impact. And that has been evolving over the last few weeks. The most important thing this week 
externally is that we got our first verbal yes. So not only do we have prospects that we're talking to, but one of them has said, yes, I want to do this. <laughs> and it was according to our, uh, our almost ideal pricing, meaning I, I will pay you thousands of dollars upfront for the ability to use this product. And then I will delay the decision on whether or not we want to stick with this forever off into the future. And that gives us the opportunity to perform. Yeah. So they're effectively like paying for your development on it a little, a little bit, or at least, in, or at least giving you the indicator, like we're, we're willing to pay up front for something in the future. Yes. So the way we have like these certain parameters that we're trying to hit, one of those parameters is upfront. There, there's mm -hmm. gotta be an element of upfront revenue. It's good for us because it helps effectively pay for our marketing uh, expenses, mm -hmm. right? So it basically fuels the, 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 the sales. And we also want it because having skin in the game is infinitely better. We, we have had checkout customers that have processed millions of dollars and they never turned on the marketing features mm -hmm. because it's such a big lift to get it up there. And then if you don't have enough momentum with the team internally, they just don't make time. They're just yeah, busy. Because the checkout sort of like blocked them. They didn't even get to the good stuff. They on, haven't on even the gotten yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. So like getting skin in the game <clears throat> is a requirement. And then I want to make sure that there is almost no reason to cancel after the initial period. So we initially went out and said, we're going to do like a proof of value period. And it's like 5,000 bucks for 60 days. And then after that, you can decide if you want to stay. And that accomplished a bunch of things, but it didn't, wasn't quite right. Now we're moving toward, instead of a set time frame, a set dollar amount. So it's like 5,000 bucks for your first 50K in incremental revenue. Right. So we're... I think it's almost there. We're going to go back out to those people that we've made offers to and say, hey, we made an update. How does this sound? Uh, and it's pretty close. You had mentioned to me like like this idea of uh, cons like selling software as consulting, like like the, the like a consultative approach to selling these these deals. Is that is that what you mean here? Where like they, they're sort of like um, paying up front for this engagement where your team will implement these marketing tools. They're, Not so much like custom building for them, but like custom imp integrating and implementation. Yes. We, we want the merchant to feel like it's low risk, right? So it's not this fifty or $100,000 risk. Mm -hmm. So 5000 bucks, you know, these merchants can basically do that without much approval. <laughs> so that's important for them to see it as like, well, I don't have much to lose. There's really only upside here. At, at the same time, the, the spot in the market kind of requires us to take this type of a, I think leads us to this type of a pricing approach because there, there's a lot of demand for this on Shopify. What we're doing right now will not work. It won't work. On Shopify, you need to be product-led. You need to build a product specific to the Shopify platform. You need the pricing to be tailored to that. It's like a, how do you get a thousand customers approach yep. not mm -hmm. not for uh, we don't want to do that yep. then there's woocommerce there's a lot of demand there too small doesn't quite make sense mm -hmm. so it's this specific spot of these merchants that do 10 to 100 million dollars a year this is how they buy we just learned a lot about their buying patterns and decisions and so a five thousand dollar like proof of value type period would just not work for a shopify merchant and is actually perfect for yep. a 50 million dollar a year salesforce merchant yeah, I love it. Yeah. 
Makes a ton of sense, man. I I will report back. Hopefully by the time we have another podcast that we closed our, our first deal. That's my goal. One closed deal in February. Yeah. Nice. I'm excited. I, I, it's been cool to see this like build up week to week and month to month over the last couple months here. And, and this, this feels like a turning point. This, this is like a, like a committing to, to the, yes. to the plan. You know? Yes. I, we got the question, why not keep selling the checkout product? Because of course, you know how this works, right? Of course, as we're making this decision, some of the biggest e-commerce merchants in the world like are approaching us right now asking about checkout. Like mm-hmm. one of the biggest, most popular sports car brands that we would all recognize. And then one of the biggest like uh, nutritional supplement type bar companies in the world um, coming to us and saying, we need a new checkout. And we know, we know what it means that when someone says, yes, I want what you have, it does not mean it's going to get a deal closed. Yep. So we're kind of there. We're confident. Even when these big opportunities are coming away, we know that we are on the right track. And that's- I think we were talking about this last time where it's like, it, I, it's, we, we've seen, especially if you've done a bunch of businesses and you've been you've done this rodeo a few times and, and you know, I've, I've seen this recently pivoting to clarity flow that this sort of pivot is so hard as an entrepreneur, especially when you see some demand for the original thing. But you, but you've also been sort of burned enough times with your to, to see the roadblocks. Like even though they have their that initial offer, there's a little bit of spark there that brings interest in. Yeah, there are all these like onboarding hurdles, activation hurdles, uh, blockers that even they, the buyer, don't necessarily see until mm-hmm. they're further in the in the thing, and then it's just a problem for everyone. You know. Yeah, I, I like the idea that the worst possible type of business is a mediocre business because you yeah. just you just keep trying and trying. You keep trying. trying. It's not a, a I, yeah. Right. If it's a horror show and there's story zero of my demand, career here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think all of us, yeah. I think everyone listening knows the feeling of, okay, this is working well enough that I can't quit. I can't stop. Mm-hmm. I can't justify stopping. And when it's a horror show of business, you just drop it quickly. Yeah. So and much easier. There's so, I, I, I really, there have been so many times where I just wished that like, ugh, I wish there wasn't, I wish there was zero demand for this thing. <laughs> yes. And so, it, and it's almost never the case there. It's almost, I don't, I can't remember launching anything to zero customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the hardest thing. Yeah. It's always it's the most dangerous. Yeah. Not, not good. All right, homie. What do you got going on? What's All right. Name? So I'm going to maybe turn it back to you because I've got my, I'm, you know, the, I've I've been dialing in and in and and through exploring on different options on where to focus my energy and investment of time and dollars and and everything in the year ahead. I feel like this has become more and more focused on a gradual and it's been sort of like a trial and error basis over the last two or three months. Um, So at this point, it has come to, I see my business world as as a pie chart and and it's sort of broken into three parts there are two that are probably more significant than the third one is clarity flow that's still very much uh in play a a big part of my time and effort and energy uh just hired a customer success person we're doing a lot of work on the product there that's like one third of the pie although it's not necessarily one third of my hours it's probably more than that um 
the the next big chunk that I'm that I'm spending a lot of time and energy on right now is basically starting up a consulting business, a consultancy uh, in in product development with with clients. Um, I could talk more about that. And then the third piece is is the audience piece. I, I talked about like you know starting up this YouTube channel and and so the big picture, the way that I, I see I see all of it sort of fitting together in a way is like, I'm a product person. I'm a, I'm a product designer, product developer, full stack. I, I pretty much identify with the role of like a product manager, but from a founder's perspective. Um, and I do product in three ways. One is I run my own product. That's clarity flow. The other is I consult with teams on, uh, developing new products, in in partnership with them and then the third piece is full stack founder uh the, the growing an audience around okay i i would i think of it more like thought leadership in product development at this point mm -hmm. um and maybe some some teaching some some opinionating uh yeah in the form of, of video oh, and wrong. tweets Proving and stuff your like stuff that. Out in um, public and instead of just working with you and and all of these are in various stages of development like clarity flow i, I essentially is up and running um, and, and, and I, I have evolved the team there and there's lots of things happening. Consultancy is still in the exploration stage, but I'm, I'm actively working with some clients and I'm learning a lot. And now I'm dialing in, um, what this thing looks like in year one and, and year two and, and beyond. And I'm right now I'm actually working on like writing up a landing page for this consultancy based on what I'm learning from the clients that I'm currently working with. Um, and then the third piece is the audience thing where it, it, it's been really hard to like outsource the video editing. I feel like I finally figured that piece out and, and there's been a gap in publishing because I've been figuring out how to outsource the editing. Mm -hmm. Now I figured that out. So now I can get back on the train of like being able to record things and just drop into the Dropbox. Okay. I'm interested um, in that separately. So, okay. So that's, that's the pie is like clarity flow, consultancy and content. I'm going to throw it to you like because I have updates on all three that I could talk about. Uh, mm -hmm. What should I talk about? <laughs> all right. Well, let's – right. It's almost like uh, Clarity Flow is investing for the future. You are yes. not getting back a dollar for every dollar of effort. It's just off in the future. It's, it's a curve, and it just sucks now, and then it swings up later. Yeah, and and the and the thing with Clarity Flow is that it happens to be doing pretty well here in January and February. Um, growth has been up a bit, um, but it's nowhere near uh, the level of being able to pay for my full time income. So I have to have other things in, you know, cooking. Yes, um, that's right. But the the one the one big thing there has been I just this week, Cat uh, is starting in uh, customer success. Okay, and, and my role is currently still doing a lot of customer support success work myself, but my role is product like it is with everything. And we're improving the product like every, every single week now we're getting around to the small UX improvements. And it's been really fun to like quick ship these instead of hammering these like huge features that we were doing last year. Now, now we're getting back around to all to the long list of little like remove all the friction in the product. So that's that's been fun to to do. Um, yeah. So, that's, I mean, th that's, that's essentially how, the story at, at Clarity Flow. <laughs> okay. I mean, that, that's how I would kind of split it up. Like, okay, yep. 
for your long term, it's basically your 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 equity, your big upside in Clarity mm-hmm. Flow. Like um, it just needs more years to get there, and and I need to be doing something else in the meantime. Yeah, that, that, that's right. I think it's you you always uh, seem to be pretty good at this alignment around the content that you want to create and the service that you want to offer. And I think that's like, you know, just being around for a while and figuring out how to be authentic because that's what you like to do. This product stuff is genuinely what you like to do. You know, that's been the most sort of interesting and almost surprising thing to me with consulting. Uh, This year is the first time in many years that I'm actually working with clients that that aren't customers of a product of mine. I, you know, I, 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 it's been so, so long since I've actually done client consulting work. Um, and it's been a really interesting thing. And, and I, and I think I feared this for so many years where it's like, oh, I, I hope I never have to resort to getting back into consulting. But now that I'm actually doing it, I'm kind of excited about it. I'm, I'm having fun with it. And, and that's the thing is like, I'm a product person now. I'm a software product designer, developer, product manager. I mix all those skills together. I'm using the term full stack founder, right? Um, it's it's interesting to be able to offer that type of value to clients. And it's been interesting to see the types of clients and their specific needs on, on why it might make sense for them to bring someone like me in. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is informing some of the copy that I'm working on for a landing page for this thing. I was going to say that insight on that's one of those things that's invisible to almost everyone. I, I have, uh, you know, my, the Slack group that I'm in with the Portland guys, the Ruben Gomez and Ewalt and a few other guys, um, they, they always learn something from my decision-making process because I raised money. Mm-hmm. And and they're always like, oh, that's interesting that for you, paying 6000 bucks a month for a marketing agency is like a bargain. Right. <laughs> but, but when you are like the solo, like one or two person shop that wants to start a marketing agency, you're like, how can I charge 6000 bucks a month? Does that make sense? Yeah. So like that, that ability to understand what a company might need and why it makes sense for them to go out and pay you to build something is like, that's the key insight. And then putting that into the content is what puts you ahead because you actually understand what, what they're dealing with. Yeah, totally. And it's been, I love the process of sort of like a love hate process of like writing these like landing pages to, to sell this service. But it's such an iterative thing. Cause I, I, I feel like I've written this page like three or four times over the last four months. And in the early days, I was passing around this this coaching concept that it was totally in theory with no actual client work under my belt yet. Um, and then I worked with some clients and I tabled the coaching model. And then I went into this other, uh, I, I, I kept adapting the way that I'm consulting with clients. And, and now that I've done it with a couple of clients and I'm doing it and I'm talking about some deals on the table now, it's a clearer sense of what goes into it. And so there are basically two forms of consulting that I'm offering now. Um, one is this like, I'm calling it like product planning sprints. And, you know, I've, I've done it with one. I'm, I'm in the middle of a second one. I've got another one um, talking to 
where it's like for two weeks, sometimes three weeks, uh, I work with you and or your teammate to uh, plan out a big new product initiative that maybe that in one case, it was like starting up a whole new product, like a second product in their in their business. In another case, it, it was sort of like overhauling their their whole onboarding experience, like a big, a big, hairy new product that needs to be started and thought through and strategized and architected. Um, uh, I, I come in to, to help do all that stuff, like ask a ton of questions, think strategically, think technically, map and maybe do some wireframing, some, some sketching. Um, and at the end of this two or three week thing, like you have a roadmap, you have a, a, a product plan, like ready to hand off to your developers and go. Um, and, and I like, I like that concept because it's like, I, I get to think strategically as a, as a product person, basically like a, it, what, what's interesting is like, I, it's like a, a SaaS company who's, who is really preoccupied with running their current product. So they've got developers, they've got support people, they've got success people who are selling and maintaining and building on their current product. That SaaS company still has big new ideas that they want to get off the ground that they want to take from okay. zero to one is that so the ideal customer is that seems to be the ideal customer because like it's, it's like you can it's so hard for an existing SaaS company to like pull your developers off their tasks to go work on this thing that we need to start from the ground up yes, you know it, and you can you can like bring me in to like work off in the corner and be the be the mm -hmm. mad scientist to think through the, the the new concept for the for the new thing yeah, whether that, that's like a an really, onboarding flow or a new product or whatever it might be. You know? When when you put it that way, it's really interesting, right? So so one of my investors, uh, Adam, <laughs> uh, one of the Portland guys actually, he has this concept that he always comes. It's a, it's a bit of a joke now because he's brought it up so often, but it's this concept of like a strike force. Mm -hmm. Like okay, let's say you have twenty five employees and you have an idea, can you peel off a strike force? of five or six people and let them work on something for two months and launch this idea that you have. Yeah. It is impossible. It's impossible because yeah. you, there's too much, there's, there's too much going on. You're already making a set of trade-offs yeah. and decisions <clears throat> and, and sacrifices as is the yeah. idea that you can go 100% on those trade-offs is unrealistic. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly how, so when I'm doing these like, strategic sprints with clients like that's how they're basically using me is like usually the founder themselves is the one working directly with me a couple calls we do a lot of async work or we're working in notion over two or three weeks and it's almost like they're working with me in secret like separate from from their team they don't want to disrupt their team on their current work yeah, but they but they need to get this new thing at, like off the ground and, and thought through. So you're like ready. an executive yeah. team's uh, ability to act on a hypothesis. That's the idea. On an idea. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The only and, and I'm working with different headlines on this thing. Like, I don't know. I'm playing around with like um, the H1 being something like, like starter for hire. You know, <laughs> um, like hmm. you know, you should, um, play, you should play with that that terminology because yeah. if I think back to before, like taking an idea from zero to one, you know, yes, or or execute on your best idea or something like that. If I think about before I launched Cardhook, 
I was on the lookout for this type of a service. I was like, how do I just write a check for 50,000 bucks and just have a product in the market? Right. And it, it doesn't work. And, and I think that's actually not a great customer yeah. for you. Yeah. It, it's so, not. Th so this, this particular consulting thing, th this model of like advising and strate strategizing is like just the planning work. Just take it from like concept in my brain to uh, detailed, written up notion docs, spe like roadmapped out. Like these are the priorities. Here's what would go into V1. Here's what won't go into V1. Um, maybe some, some user flows. And then, and then like at the end of this, it's like a package that we can like have the developer start the developer team start working on. Uh, but th then there's this other big like uh, offering where it's like, instead of just me advising, like actually hire me and my small team to actually build a whole version one of a product from, from zero to built. And this is a multi-month engagement. Um, I've been in talks with a couple of clients about this. I haven't uh, landed this yet, but there's, there's, I, I've had a few discussions. One of them is pretty likely to happen at some point this year. Um, you know, uh, multiple five-figure proposal over several months where, where it in, basically involves like me plus a developer or two from my team. And we're take, and, and again, it's like you, you either have a concept for a product and, and in, in both of these cases, it, it was like an established SaaS company who is planning a second product from their company. It's like a related like cross-sell type product. It's, it's an idea they um, wanna act on. That's, it's that's an idea that they wanna act on and they are too preoccupied with running their first product, but they know they know there's demand, they know, they know, they know that they have access to a market um, and they want to act on it. And so I'm being brought in as like a super efficient, like fast, Mm -hmm. you, you know how I, like me and my team, like we just ship uh, products because we're lean and 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 you're not and encumbered fast. by all the things that are currently happening internally. Exactly. Yeah. The, when I this is really this cool. <laughs> and that I, and I that explore, one is like you know these are bigger products, uh, bigger price tags, and in some select cases, it's a mix of like cash and equity. You know, um, it, if opportunity makes sense. It, if it makes sense for both of us, uh, mm -hmm. but. At the end of the day, it's like majority is like cash based and um, and there's some logistics over like, all right, you've got me plus my developer for a few months and then some options after that. Maybe the developer transfers, maybe we stay on as like an advising role, like there's there's options. But okay. so these are things that I'm like kind of strategizing and road mapping as a as a consultancy, as a company like, you know, so like here in year one in 2024, it's me basically selling myself. Because you're getting me on on all these projects, and and I might bring in a developer or two to help in some cases. If this continues, then then year two, let's see if we can double our capacity and maybe bring on a few more developers. Maybe eventually bring on a project manager. Like um, maybe this turns into a product dev shop, product dev studio agency type of type of model. And and again, it just gets back to like I'm. I love to design and build and start projects, products from the ground up. Um, the more I can do that, whether it's with client partners or my own stuff, I, I, that's you know, good way to make money, good way to spend my time. I think you know, I I, I love it. Can I want to give you two pieces of like uh, opinion from from my Please. point of view? Please. Number one. Whatever you think you can charge, you can charge a lot more. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> because, and, and that's related to point number two. Point number two is that there are a decent number of private software companies with millions of dollars in the bank and things are not going great for them and they would love to launch an idea to see, I, I mean, I have one in mind right now. Everyone's got one in mind. Everyone's got one. Everyone's got and, one. And the, and the conventional wisdom is like, don't do it. You can't do it. Don't don't do the shiny no, object. To, yeah. That's right. That's right. But now, the, 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 what I'm seeing, what I'm actually seeing, and this is literally what I'm learning in real time, is there. There's a lot of SaaS, or at least the ones that I've been in contact with. There's a lot of companies who it does make sense strategically for them to grow by expanding their product line. I see. I, um, maybe maybe they're mature in their life cycle. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, they're they're mature in their life cycle. Um, market becoming more competitive. Whatever the, that set of circumstances. Yeah, there's that, and and there's also like um, in some cases there's like um, the new product could be like a version two of their current product, like maybe a rebuild. The same base. Yeah. Or um, or it's sometimes it's like not just uh, a new product. It it sometimes it's like just a big new part of their existing product. Mm -hmm. Like I was working with one where it's like, all right, they've got this big well-established SaaS product, but they, but they need like an education center for their, for their customers. Okay. And like, and that's like a whole new value proposition that they're offering, but they need a whole like admin interface and the whole customer interface. And like, it's oh, a whole that, new thing, you know? Yeah. Really, yeah. really interesting. And the, 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 the point I wanted to make about, you know, number one there in terms of a company's going to look at this and going to assume ongoing investment. So the, right. the initial investment is a relatively small part of the total investment. Yeah. So if you look at the initial investment, let's just reuse round numbers as a hundred thousand bucks as the manager, you know, you're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars over the next yeah. year. Yeah. Two if you're starting something year. new, what we're talking right. about here is just version one, you know? Yes. Um, and that, and I've been thinking through that as well. Right. So, um, I haven't gotten to this point in any deal yet, but the but in theory, we would spend X number of months uh, going from concept to to built and shipped version one. Um, maybe you call that an MVP. I, I don't really, I don't tend to like that term. I I liked version one, um, but yeah, post version one, I I could see my company offering kind of a menu of options, and one would be. One that I think is sort of interesting, I haven't tested this, is, okay, if I bring on a developer or two from uh, from like an outsourced development agency to work with me on building version one, maybe there's like a, an option for like a, like a, like a, a, that developer is transferred for, for like a recruiting mm -hmm. fee to like, to have them like transferred under the direct employment right. of, as, as if like I just recruited you a developer to, mm -hmm. to continue and it happens to be the same one that built your version one with yeah, me. Yeah, I see that. Um, that that's one, uh, you know, the other option would be like um, uh, uh, like a fractional product management retainer, right? So if you already have your developers in house, they can take this existing version one product and maintain it but you still want some like strategic advising on product direction and roadmap for, for version two, version three, I can be available for like uh, fractional product management type, type of role, mm -hmm. um, you know, or, or maybe the, you know, may, again, like if this comp, if this dev shop grows over, then 
maybe we offer like actual ongoing product uh, maintenance retainers as a service, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah, but I, I, I think ideally, it, like the ideal thing and no matter the what handoff. the, well, no, the ideal thing, no matter what the client is, what I'm, is we're brought in to start something. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't love the idea of being a dev shop where we can just plug into your existing code base and we're just another developer in a chair somewhere. Like, I, I, I really, really like the idea of like, bring me in, bring in my small team to like, let's, let's build something new off in the corner and let's get, go from zero to one. That's the main value. And then we're, we'll, we'll have options to continue to maintain that going forward, you know? Yeah. I like it. Very, very interesting. Look at us starting new businesses in 2024. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, All right, my man, I, I got to run. I got a two thirty. I got to drive to it's Friday. It's my birthday this weekend. Is it? Oh man. Happy Absolutely. birthday. Thank you very much. I'm going to go have fun go. with the fam. We're going to go skiing. I think oh. I'm just not. Oh, your skiing. favorite thing to do for your birthday. Yes, I love it. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Nice. Uh, yeah, we're going skiing tomorrow too. We're going to uh, one of these tiny hills here in Connecticut. I'm going to bring the Yeah, you haven't but heard. But at least we got a bunch of snow, so it should be fun. You haven't heard of the majestic slopes in Wisconsin? Uh, I no? have not. Yeah, neither have I, but that's where <laughs> I, I'm going. I think I'm going to hear from, from, from you about it though. <laughs> Whatever, I get to I get to hang. Uh, <laughs> it's actually a nice setup where the kids can go up and there's like, you know, like the little hut is right at the base. So you can basically yeah. have a beer and literally watch your kids go up and then ski back up. Go oh, back beautiful. Up. Beautiful. Happy Friday. All right. Later, folks. Yeah.